good to be here today. Good to see everybody again. I want to ask if you will just go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 34, and uh, that's where our text our text will be here in a little bit. But uh, while you're doing that, uh, I just want to take a couple of minutes. I'm not going to give a presentation on France or anything like that. Y'all have already seen all you want to see of that, I'm sure. But um, I do want to give an update uh, just on what's been going on. You are sending church. I think that's biblical. Uh, you know, as Paul and his team went back to uh, to Antioch, they would give a report on what was happening and how the Lord had been working. And uh, we're not in France yet, so I, I can't give a report on what God's doing, you know, through us in France. But I can give a report on how He's been blessing and using us uh, as we travel around from church to church. And uh, it's just been incredible. We've seen uh, God do some amazing things. And um, this past year, you know, it's it's been a quick year. Uh, it, 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 my head still spins sometimes from how fast everything is just moving and going and, uh, you know, but, but God is leading the whole way and, uh, he's been providing. We are, uh, if you haven't heard this report yet, uh, we're at about 65 or 67% of our, uh, our total monthly support. And of course our, uh, our prayers to get to a hundred percent before we leave. Uh, but we'll take 80, you know, if we can get there before then we'll, we'll take 80. So I've counted that up, and what that means is uh, a lot of our churches, the, the churches that support us, support us about $100 a month, so we need eight churches to support us about $100 a month, or we need eight of you to start giving us $100 a month, whichever one y'all want to do, you know, however that works out, 16 of you can give $50 a month, you know, and that would help get us there too, I'm just kidding, uh, but... That, that is where we are. We, uh, that's what we're lacking between here and, uh, and 80%. So uh, be in, in prayer for us for that. Uh, I believe God's got eight more churches out there uh, that you know are praying about it and, and talking about it. We're waiting to hear back from some uh, right now. But uh, God's going to take care of this, and, uh, and we know that he will. And we're just looking and, and waiting for his provisions. But... You know, what's, uh, what's been amazing, though, is as I go around from church to church, I mean, obviously part of what we're doing right now is we can't function as a family on the field without finances. So a lot of what we're doing is going to churches and talking about finances. But uh, one of the things that Deputation has done for us is uh, it has really increased our faith. Uh, it's helped us to, um, it's put us in a situation where we have to depend on God uh, for everything that we have. Now, we've always depended on God for everything that we had, but when you when you know that a company or you know that a church or whatever has a certain amount coming in for your family every month and you know that's what you're getting paid every month, that there's a sense of security that comes with that. And when you don't have that, you, you understand that you are completely at the mercy of God and uh, His provision. I know I'm talking a lot about money already this morning, but... Uh, but we need money, you know, I mean, to, to function, to buy groceries, to put clothes on our kids' backs, things like that. That's what it takes. And, and when you're just having to trust God uh, for all of that and, and you don't know how this is going to, to work out, and uh, then you just see God over and over and over blessing. It, it's just incredible. So deputation has really increased our faith, uh, not just on the monetary side, but even just in, in day-to-day life, uh, you know, uh, just things where... And it gets lonely out there. Uh, you know, we miss you guys. Y'all are our church, and uh, you're, our, you're our family, and uh, we miss you guys. And so it gets lonely out there, and you have to learn how to depend on God uh, for that as well. And uh, so there's just so many ways that we've grown. 
uh, I feel, uh, and we also eat a lot, so that helps too, and uh, so, you know, we've grown in so many ways, I guess, in the past year, but uh, anyway, um, y'all pray for us on that too, hopefully, we won't have a car when we first get over there, so we'll walk some of this stuff off, but um, anyway, uh, just keep us in prayer, uh, our tickets are set, are bought for June the 12th, uh, that is our departure date. And uh, they're non-refundable, by the way, so we've got to get on the plane on June 12th. And uh, so anyway, uh, we just worked on our visas, and I did get a confirmation. Uh, we had a couple more things we had to turn in. Uh, after our first appointment, there were some things that, that we still needed, and so we turned those in. And I got an email, I think it was either Saturday morning or, or Friday evening, somewhere around there, uh, saying that uh, our paperwork had been accepted and our visas were being processed. So, um, so we're, we're getting closer, and... Uh, once the once that confirmation of our visas comes in, then basically we're set to go, and we're just trusting God with the rest of it. So uh, just keep us in prayer. God's got this. I know I already said that, but uh, that's who we're trusting. So let's look at Exodus chapter 34. If you have any other questions about anything, you know, how things are going or uh, anything specific that you've been wondering about, we'd love to uh, try to answer any of those, you know, after services. So feel free to come by and, and ask us. But Exodus chapter 34 and we're just going to read two uh, verses here this morning. Chapter uh, 34, verses 6 and 7. It says in verse 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for just every blessing you shed upon us. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to be in the house today and uh, in your house and just be able to share with our church uh, how you've been blessing and all that you've been doing. And I know it was just a snapshot of all the great things that you've been uh, ways you've been working in our lives and providing, but uh, Lord, I just pray that it will be an encouragement to our church and they'll see that you're behind this and that, uh, that you are in control of all things. God, we're so thankful uh, for Jesus Christ. We're thankful for you and for who you are and uh, for how you bless us and how you take care of us and provide for us. And I pray, Lord, as we look at your word today, that you'd open our hearts to the message and that you'd use it for your honor and glory uh, this morning. Help us to put distractions aside. Lord, help us to get our focus on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, we, Nick and I travel around uh, quite a bit. We're in a different city, it seems like, every weekend and uh, across the U.S. And, uh, and what we like to do when we go to these different cities is we like to get on like a Saturday or something and just kind of tour that city a little bit. Uh, kind of wind down from our travels and, and get ready for the next day. But, uh, you know, as we go from city to city and, and we walk around, uh, a lot of times what we do is we'll, we'll come by a, a huge church building. We've seen some pretty church buildings. And we might not always agree doctrinally with every, everything that these churches would teach, but the buildings are pretty, you know. And so, uh, you know, we walk by them and, and we'll look at some magnificent structures, you know. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen some that, uh, I mean, it just looks like castles almost. And, uh, and at the very top of this magnificent structure erected, uh, I guess for the glory of God, at the top of that is a steeple. And 
Uh, you know, I, I've thought as I've looked, you know, at some of these, and, and this is just something that's been going through my mind for a little while. And you're my guinea pigs this morning. I'm going to test this out on you. But this is just the, the inner workings of my mind, which we may find out later nobody wants to know about. But uh, as I look up at these steeples, you know, I think to myself, as I, look at, as I look at this, and I know what this represents. I, I know that this represents a house of God. And I know that steeple is pointed for a reason because... All day long, it does one thing. It constantly points up towards the Lord. Amen. And I think about all the things that I believe about God. I, I believe there is a God. Amen. And I believe that God is all-powerful. I believe that God is all-knowing. I believe that He's always present. I believe that He's loving. I believe that He's kind. I believe that, I mean, all kind, I believe that He is the only way of salvation. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Amen. is the only way to the Father. Amen. And I can look at a structure like that, and I can look at that steeple, and I can think about all the things that I believe about God. But you know, I thought about this as well, that at some point, when I stop gazing at that steeple and I turn my eyes back towards the sidewalk that I'm walking down and I get back to real life and the fact that we've got bills to pay and the fact that we've got kids to raise and the fact that there's things that in our lives that we can't quite understand and we can't quite comprehend and we can't put our finger on really what the solution for those things are. As I make my way back down the sidewalk, I, I begin to realize that some of what I say I believe about God while looking at the steeple doesn't always translate to what I believe about God when I'm walking down the sidewalk. Amen. Right. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> so I want to talk to you this morning about theology. Alright? And don't, don't be bothered by that. We're not going to I'm not going to teach theology to you. I'm just going to talk to you about theology. And more specifically, I want to talk to you about your theology. And theology is just simply what we believe about God. You know, and, and some of us might have some a little differences in our theology. And certainly, if you talk to enough Christians, you're going to find differences in theology. But theology just simply defined is what we believe about God. And whether you know it or not, you have a theology. You have some personal beliefs about God. You say, well, I don't even believe in God. Well, that's your theology. <laughs> your theology is, I don't believe in God. I don't think there is one. That's your theology. But, but whether you, you believe in God, whether you trust God, whatever your opinion of Him is, you came into this building today with your own theology. Amen. Now, there are a lot of things in life that can shape our theology. Uh, our Bible teachers, you know, who we sit under will shape our theology. Who you listen to will shape your theology. And listen, there's some good people to listen to. I, I, you need to listen to your pastor. But on television, on the radio, there are some good people to listen to because they have some sound theology. And there are some wackos out there that you don't need to ever turn on, right? And because what you listen to, what you, what, who you allow to be your teacher is going to shape the way you view God. And shape the way you think about God. 
So our Bible teachers can become uh, shapers and molders of our theology. Our life experiences can shape our theology. What I went through in life and my questions about why I went through those things will shape the way I think about God. There are all kinds of things in our lives that could shape and mold a certain theology uh, in our lives. But the number one thing that we should always turn to uh, when trying to find out who God is and, and trying to understand what we are to believe about God, there really is only one source we can depend on, and that's God. Amen. So if I want to know God, I need to find out what did God say about Himself. Yeah. And so what I find is that He's given us His Word. Amen. And His Word is true. See, that's part of my theology as well. I believe the Bible is true from the table of contents to the maps in the back. Right? Amen. And especially all the stuff that's in between there. Amen? Amen? But that is the Word of God. And so there are things about Himself that He wants us to know. And the things that He wants us to know about Himself, He's revealed to us in His Word. And so His Word is the go-to place to understand what our theology is supposed to be. And then, of course, He's given us His Spirit. If you know Christ is your Savior this morning, the Spirit of God lives in you. And His Spirit will teach you some things about Himself. And, and uh, I mean, there, there's all kinds of things. Just being around other people, uh, other godly counselors can, uh, who are biblical and who study the Word of God and know the Word of God, those can help to shape your theology. But ultimately... If we want to know who God is and, and want to know what we're to believe about God, it must come from God himself. And so theology is determined ultimately uh, when our, our, our beliefs match the scriptures that he has given us. So listen, theology is important. What you believe about God will shape your worldview. It'll It'll uh, cultivate your philosophy in life. It brings convictions to your pursuits. It steadies you in times of difficulty. And it forms you into the person that you are and are going to be. Theology is significantly important to your life. And so that's something you need to develop is your theology and what you truly believe about God. Now the problem is that many Christians are actually living not with one theology of God, but living with two theologies of God. They have what they say they believe about the Lord. And they have what they really believe about the Lord. And that's more of what I want to speak to this morning. I'm not going to tell you what to believe about God. But what I am going to tell you is the only way you'll ever have a sound, solid theology is when what you believe about God matches with the Word of God. But what you believe about what the Word of God says somehow has to get from your mind to your hands to your feet to your mouth and everything that you're doing. It somehow has to translate into your life. Because knowing what you believe about God and being able to state, I think and I, I believe that God is this and this and this and can do this and this and this means nothing if what you say you believe about God is not somehow making it to what you do in everyday life. 
Now, you know better than anybody else here what's going on in your life. You know the thoughts you have to struggle with. You know the people you have to get along with. You know the fears you have to deal with and the regrets you have to, the regrets you have to live with, the pain you have to cope with, and your theology will determine how you handle each of those things. And so let's go back to that church steeple for a moment. You can look at a steeple that points straight up to God and say, I believe that God is good. I believe that God is holy. I believe God is all-knowing, that He's all-powerful, always present. I believe that He's loving and, and that God has a plan for my life. I believe that God can provide for my needs. I believe that God is enough. And it's easy to say all those things. We'll call that your steeple theology. That's your steeple theology. That's what you declare, I believe about God. They're the things you know the Bible teaches and that you intellectually believe about the Lord. Yet, even after professing all those things about God, the truth is that most, most of us could lower our gaze from that steeple, resume our walk through life, and wonder how we're going to make it through what we're going through at this point in life. How are we going to do this? How are we going to get through this? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to overcome this? And that is our sidewalk theology. So you see where I'm going? Each of us has a steeple theology, and each of us have a sidewalk theology. And unfortunately for so many of us, there is a huge gap between our steeple theology and our sidewalk theology. And the truth of it all is that we can say whatever we want about our belief system while we're stopped standing and staring at the steeple. But what we do when we continue down the path of our sidewalk in life determines our true theology. So let me say this. Your steeple theology may not be your true theology. But you better believe this. Your sidewalk theology is your true theology. So you can say, I believe God is a provider. Do you think that this morning, by the way? You believe God provides? So you look at that steeple and you say, man, God is a wonderful provider. He's a good, good father. He takes care of me. He knows what to do. He knows how to provide. And then when you go back down that sidewalk, you start thinking, man, I wasn't expecting that bill this week. But what am I going to do about this? I don't know where I'm going to put my kids in school. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this thing in life. You see, you've looked at the steeple and said, I believe this about God. But you turned your eyes back to life and said, I really believe this about God. And when you're doubting and you're questioning, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? What you've done is you've stripped the power out of God's hands. And you said, I really don't think God's powerful enough to provide for this. Yes, He provides, but I don't think He can provide here. That's your sidewalk theology. So I want to look at just a couple things this morning. The first thing I want to look at is uh, just the truth that we find here in these verses. And let's go ahead and we'll read these again. He says in verse 6, the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. This is when 
Moses was uh, up in the cleft of the rock there, and uh, he had asked to see God's glory, and the Lord said, yes, I'll pass by, but you're not able to look at my face, so I'll pass by, I'll cover you, and then you can look at my back when I walk by, because nobody can see my face and live. And so Moses made his way up there, and the Lord has come, and, and uh, he's about to pass by, and as he passes by, he, this is what he proclaims. It says, uh, he, he proclaims, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant, and goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. By the way, that's not what somebody said about God. That's what God said about himself. I want you to know this morning that God is eternal. And it really would be impossible to ever give an exhaustive and accurate explanation of who God is. Perhaps the best we can do is look at the Lord's own description that He gives here of Himself. And even this is only a snapshot of who God is. But this self-proclamation that we just read here of the Lord was given on the day... Again, when the Lord agreed to pass before Moses at Sinai. And this is what he proclaimed about himself. Number one, he proclaimed that he is the Lord. Matter of fact, he said it twice. The Lord, the Lord God. And I think that is a blatant, a once in a lifetime statement from God himself, from the mouth of God, saying, I am the Lord. There is no other. The Lord. The Lord God. He says of Himself that He is merciful. He says of Himself that He is gracious. That He is long-suffering or patient. That He is abundant in goodness and truth. He's a God of mercy, forgiveness, and justice. Amen. I'm thankful for all of those, by the way. I'm thankful He's good. And I'm thankful that He's just. But I'm thankful that He's merciful because I'd be in trouble if He wasn't. Right? We all would. That's who my God is. And again, this isn't something that Moses said or some author said. God proclaimed this with His own mouth. He said this Himself that He is these things. And the truth is that all of us, if you're here this morning, I, I think you believe this about God. I think these are things you hold to. And if I were to go down the list, most of us would proudly confirm that we believe each and every one of these things about God. Yes, I believe God's merciful. I believe God's gracious. I believe He's long-suffering. I've seen it in my life. Yes, I believe that He's good and true, that He's forgiving, and I believe that He's just. Just, by the way, means that he enacts and executes justice. I believe he's all those things. And if we don't believe those things, what are we doing here? Let's, pack up. Let's go eat lunch. Amen? Hey, if we're going to sit here and say, well, this isn't true, well, let's get out of here. I'm hungry. But if these things are true, then this is more important right now than anything else going on. 
to look at God's Word, to learn more of who He is. Now the problem is that while I believe these things on paper, and while I proclaim these things from the pulpit, the truth is that I often forget them when life hits the pavement. Amen. And so I find a flaw in myself. And the flaw is, is that I believe certain things about God. But often I don't live as if I believe certain things about God. My steeple theology is solid. Sometimes my sidewalk theology stinks. Amen. That bothers me. Because I know God's merciful. I've experienced His mercy. I know God's forgiving. I begged for His forgiveness and received it. I know that God is all these things, but I often struggle with the fear that I'm unaccepted by Him. You ever have that problem? When I'm confronted with who He is, how holy He is, how righteous and good and powerful and humongous. I mean, God is big. And when I'm confronted with that, often I look at myself and how unholy I am at times. How sinful and wretched a man that I really am. And I struggle with, with the fact that that God accepts me and loves me and cares what's going on in my life. And so I have what I believe of God on paper because I tell you God is forgiving and He's merciful and He's loving and He's kind. I tell you that. Sometimes I struggle with really believing in myself from day to day. being honest with you. Amen. Those are things I struggle with. I know God's long-suffering towards me. I know He is a patient God. Amen. You, you know the word long-suffering in the Old Testament actually means that He has a long nose. That's what it means. He's got a big nose. <laughs> now there are times in the scripture where it talks about he, he was indignant against it. And he was angry and he burst out in anger. That's to have a short nose. Have you ever met a short tempered person? Their nose is always flaring up. <laughs> you say something. Nose starts. And sometimes they'll get the, it'll go twitch. I don't know what that is. It's kind of weird. <laughs> okay. Back off a little bit. I don't know what's going wrong with you. Right, the nose gets a flare, and that means they're short nose, means they have a short temper. Long suffering means he has a long nose, means it takes longer for it to flare up. Right? So he's, he's long suffering. He's patient. And I know these things of God, and I test God's patience. I don't always mean to do it, but I do it. And so I've experienced the long-sufferingness, the patience of God in my life. But you know, in my everyday life, I have trouble being patient with others. Right. That says something about what I believe of God. 
Because if I truly believe God is long-suffering and I'm trying to be a follower of Him, guess what I'm going to be towards other people? So it's not just what we, how we communicate with God, it's how we communicate with others as well that tells us what our true theology is. And often mine has a problem intersecting. I know God is good and true, but sometimes I wrestle with believing that what He's doing in my life is really for my good. So if we were all this morning just to take off our Sunday morning mass for a second, I think more of us would admit that there is a huge disconnect between what we say we believe in here and what we really believe out there. Some of you have great steeple theology, but your sidewalk theology stinks. Theologically, we believe that God is present. You believe that, by the way? But often we live as if He's absent. Because we really lived as if we believed He was always present. I don't know about you, but there's a thing I would say in front of God. Amen? <laughs> there's some things I wouldn't do in front of God. There's some jokes I wouldn't tell in front of God. I'm not telling dirty jokes, but there's just things that if He was there, I'd be like, well, I think I'll hold back on that one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sarca- I love sarcasm. I'm not really a joke teller, but I love sarcasm. I think I'd cut that out if God was present. But you know what? He is present. I know that when I look at the steeple, but sometimes on the sidewalk, I like to cut other people down a little bit. That tells me what my true theology is. And it breaks my heart that often I find that what I say I believe about God doesn't always translate into what I do in my everyday life. Now there's one way for your steeple theology and your sidewalk theology to sync with one another. There is one way for that to happen. And it's not a three-step plan. There's no formula for this. It's just a simple thing called life. And if you don't get anything else this morning, I want you to at least get this. That if you want a connection to be made between your steeple theology and your sidewalk theology, between what you say you believe about God and what you actually believe about God, that connection is going to be made in this period of time that we have here on earth called life. That's where he makes the connection, is in life. Now let me ask you this. Do you believe that God is really in control of all things? Well, think through your life right now. What's going on? What is happening in your life Right now, what flames of difficulty have engulfed your life recently? Where are you struggling? What did you come in today looking for answers to? Because those are things that we run away from. Those encounters, those problems, those circumstances, those fires that we go through in life, those are things we keep begging God, please put this out. God, please fix this. 
God, please get me out of this. I can't take this storm right now. And what God is doing through that fire or through that storm or through that circumstance is He's allowing those things to come into your life for a season so that He can reveal more of who He is through it. So we all, this is just how fickle we are. We say, God, I want to know more of you. God, I want to know you closer. God, I want to walk closer with you. And then he says, okay, brace yourself for a second. I'm going to let this come through your life. And when it comes in, we freak out. God, you've got to get me out of this. I don't know what's happening. I don't know how to, what, what is going on. I was doing everything you wanted me to do. I was going to church every Sunday. I was reading my Bible every day. I was not saying the stuff that I once said. I was not doing the things I once did. And now all this trouble is coming through my life. God, get me out of this. And, you know, what's really going on is you've asked to see more of who God is. And often God will not reveal that apart from trial. What we want is we want to know more of God without having to actually see how He gets us out of things, right? But I want you to think about this. Think about Moses just for a second. When Moses wanted to know more of God, when it was time for Moses to walk more closely with the Lord, what did God do in his life? He brought some trial. He sent him to the children of Israel. And he gets there to Pharaoh and he tells the children of Israel, I am here to save today. God has called me to walk with him and to lead you out of here. And he goes to Pharaoh and what does Pharaoh say? As a matter of fact, not only am I not going to let them go, but I'm going to make life harder on them. And now everybody's mad at Moses. And he went to the Lord and said, Lord, why did you send me here? What's going on? You know, but, but as he continued to obey and walk through those things with God, he eventually brought him out of those issues and out of those situations. It's through those trials that, uh, that he does this. When God was preparing to lead Israel or prepare Israel for the role as a priestly nation, he didn't drive them all to Bible college. He led them through a desert. Leadership training for David wasn't in a palace, but as a soldier on the battlefield and a fugitive in the wilderness. We praise Paul as one of the greatest missionaries, evangelists, and Christians who's ever lived. But he didn't get there through fun. He got there through fire. God wants you to know more of who he is. And when he's ready to teach you, he will allow controlled chaos into your life. So that you must learn to depend on him for everything. Listen, I can hand you a book on swimming. And you can read through that book and it'll tell you how to, how to swim in 10 easy steps. It'll tell you how to move your arms, how to kick your legs, how to float, and how to do all that kind of stuff. But you know there's only one way to learn how to swim. You've got to get in the water. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you about God. And I can tell you what the Bible says of Him. I can teach lessons on who He is and how He's worked in others' lives. There's only one way to really get to know Him. You've got to get in the water. You've got to walk with him through those trials and let him finish what he's doing through them. And it's hard. 
But when you, when you see that light at the end of the tunnel, you emerge from the end of that trial, you're going to have a new view of God. Amen. A view of God, a glimpse of God you never thought before was possible. So let me wrap this up. Each of us have a steeple theology and a sidewalk theology. My prayer for you today is that you allow God to work in your life in such a way that your theologies will become one. That what you say you believe of God will work its way to what you do in life. To your everyday encounters with God and others. And I'll say this this morning before we close. If I really believe who God says He is, and I really believe He's merciful, forgiving, and just, I couldn't leave without telling you this. God told me you're a sinner. And your sin has eternally separated you from that holy God. Your sin must be paid for. And there's only two people who could pay for your sin. You could pay for your sin. But the way you have to do that is through eternal death. Sin requires a death penalty. If you pay for your sin, it will be in hell. Amen. But there's one more person who can pay for your sin. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. He was sinless. He was perfect where we couldn't be. And He went to a cross to take the death you deserve. He rose again the third day. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Him today, what He promises is to take your sin and put it on His cross. Put it on His account. To allow His death to pay the penalty for your sin. If you don't know Christ this morning, I hope that you'll come to a saving knowledge of Him today. Amen. It is only through Jesus Christ. Yeah. If you know the Lord as Savior, my prayer for you, again, is that you'll shape what you believe about God. But allow Him to work in your life in such a way that what you believe about Him becomes a part of your everyday life. I want to bow prayer and turn it over to you, Pastor. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the day. God, I don't want to add anything to this. I simply pray that your spirit right now is working in hearts. I pray that our focus is still on you, that we're not distracted by worldly things. But God, as this invitation is about to be given, I pray you'll work in hearts, and that you'll stir in lives, and Lord, draw us closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.